Um, If you guys have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 8. And if you need a Bible, we have them back there, so raise your hand. Don't be afraid to look dumb. Nobody will laugh at you. Uh, Luke chapter 8 this morning. Have you ever heard the phrase, be careful how you listen? Be careful how you listen. It matters how you listen. I was reminded of this as I I found this article the other day. Um, I think I have a picture of it. You know, you hear hear stories of, of people that don't listen to directions or to instructions and they pay the consequences of it. Uh, here's a picture of a story I came across. Um, here's a guy who didn't follow directions. He didn't listen to the guidance on the street in those cones and decided he would just do his own thing. Um, obviously, that didn't go well for him. He got stuck in wet cement. Uh, let's just say that ruined his day, I would think. Um, I just wonder like, how long it took him to get out of the car, but doesn't seem like a fun thing. He didn't listen to directions. Uh, I love what the, uh, the article says about this. The individual made the mistake of driving behind the traffic control devices and ignored them and into the freshly laid concrete. The driver will pay for the damage done to the road, which the officer said will run around, any guesses how much it'll cost? $10,000. That's probably worth more than his car. So it matters how you listen. I think another example would be, you know, you see that recipe for a beautiful cake and you think, I am going to make that cake on my own. I have a picture of it here, I think. You know, you see the picture, you're like, yeah, it'll look great. And then what happens when you actually make it? It doesn't look so beautiful, does it? In fact, even if you tried that hard, uh, you probably couldn't make it look that bad. But uh, nine times out of ten, the problem when that happens is that you didn't do what? listen to the instructions. You didn't follow the recipe because it matters how you listen. And we can think of a lot of more serious uh, instances in life where people don't follow directions. I think of, you know, you see those people that go and take selfies and go past the sign that say, don't go onto this cliff. And then they experience maybe a near-death experience or worse. People that go swim with sharks or go around alligators people that don't listen to directions. It matters how you listen. And it matters how we listen, how we, do, how we in, uh, respond to instructions that come to us. And I think the same goes more so than anything with God's word. It matters how we listen to what God has said. And it's amazing to think, isn't it, that God has said something to us? Stop and think about that, that God has spoken. God's given us his word And it matters how we hear it, how we listen to it. Because everyone does hear God's word. No matter who you are, if if you hear God's word, uh, you're going to hear it. You've listened to it. And and once you hear it, it's not something you can be neutral to. It's not something you can just move on and pretend like you didn't hear it. Either you're going to embrace it, believe it, or you're not. No one is neutral when it comes to hearing God's message. And I think this parable that I want to look at this morning helps us understand that, helps us think about how we listen to God's word and how we we respond to the gospel. I think just a question that you could ask is, is how do I respond to the gospel? I think that's what this, this passage is getting at. How do you respond to God's word in the gospel? And let's read from chapter eight, verse one. 
says, soon afterwards, Jesus began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. When a large crowd was coming together, and those from whom various cities were journeying to him, Jesus spoke by way of a parable. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road, and it was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell onto the good soil and grew up and produced a crop of a hundred times as great. And he said these, as he said these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus' disciples began questioning him as to what this parable meant. And he said, to you, it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is in parables, so that seeing, they may not see. And hearing, they may not hear. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy and have no firm root. They believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. The seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard. And as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Now no one after lighting a lamp covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not become evident nor anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. So take care how you listen. For whoever has to him, more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has shall be taken away from him. And Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you have spoken, that you've given us your word. And Lord, we know that is uh, only by your grace that we've been given that gift. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand what you've written here uh, for our instruction and that it would continue to give uh, the knowledge that leads to salvation in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. I love this book of Luke. It is uh, just such a cool book because uh, Luke is a history nerd. 
Uh, he is kind of like me. Don't judge me, but he's kind of a history nerd. He loves just uh, all the details and all these facts. And, and he has basically set out to write uh, in detail the history of the life of Jesus, according to all the people that saw Jesus while he was on earth. And so Luke has gone around and he has written this account according to the people that saw Jesus. And, and it's amazing. In chapter 8, verse 1 there, it says that Jesus here, and, and he goes, he's going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. I, I just think you step back and think about what's happening here. This book is not just a nice story from a long time ago. This is real history as seen by many eyewitnesses. And on this day here, Luke has written the history of what Jesus did as he came and proclaimed the kingdom of God. Luke has been showing in this book that Jesus is not just some ordinary guy. He is God's son. He is deity. And here Jesus comes with a message from God. He's proclaiming, he is preaching good news about the kingdom of God. Isn't it amazing that we don't have to wonder what God thinks? He has spoken and he has given good news to this world about a kingdom, about his kingdom. And that's what was happening this day. Jesus here came to earth and he has this message about the kingdom of God. And I think the message about the kingdom of God is, is ultimately God's word in the gospel. Uh, Colossians 1 talks about how uh, without Christ, we are in the domain of darkness in our sin. We are captives to sin. And then Colossians says that there is a way to be rescued from the domain of darkness through Jesus Christ. God came to rescue sinners in Christ through what Jesus did on, uh, on the cross, through his life, through his death and his resurrection. There is a way to be saved. Isn't that amazing? And the gospel says that by faith, we can be delivered from our sin, from that domain of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In this kingdom where there is the forgiveness of sins forever. Jesus came with a message of good news of, of the gospel. Even in the end of chapter seven there, right before this, we see that Jesus came to a woman, or a woman came to Jesus and and look what he says in verse 48, your sins have been forgiven. All look around and they say, who is this man who even forgives sins? But Jesus says, it is your faith that has saved you. So Jesus here comes with this message that we, that the sinners, even the worst sinners like that woman can be saved through Jesus Christ. That is good news. And I think here it's amazing because we get the names of a couple women who were saved by Christ in the gospel. We hear uh, in verse two there of Mary, who was called Magdalene. Obviously, she had some serious issues in her life because it says that there were seven demons that had gone out of her. And then we hear of another woman, um, a Joanna, and then Susanna. And I think this is just kind of a cool little clip because it is showing us that here are some people who had seen the love of Jesus in their own lives, and now they loved Jesus. Uh, Jesus and his gospel had come into their lives and had transformed them. They had heard the message and were saved, and now were following Jesus along with the disciples. 
But then in verse four, we see that Jesus comes here and he has a parable. And Matthew tells us that the setting here is that Jesus is on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and there's, there's so many people that are coming to see Christ here that he has to get into a boat and he, he pushes off into the water so he can kind of get away from them and, and so he can speak to this huge crowd. And what is it that Jesus would say? Well, it says that he spoke to them by way of a parable. You guys know what a parable is, right? It's, it's really kind of just like a word picture. It's an illustration uh, that, that really is just a simple story that helps us understand something that's spiritual. And uh, if you've been around the church at all, you've probably heard the story of the sower and the soils before. And I love this because Jesus used a parable here to explain us. He's talking about our own hearts here. Uh, he, he's talking about who we are on the inside. That's what he's getting at. It's not just because Jesus loves to talk about soil. That would be boring. No, Jesus is talking about our own hearts. And he's our maker. He understands and knows us better than we know ourselves. And here he comes to explain us, our own hearts, and help us think about our own hearts. So in this parable, uh, I think we have really just the power to understand from Jesus what we need to know about ourselves and to even look at our own lives, our own hearts, and, and think about ourselves. How do I respond to God's word, to his good news, to the gospel, that we can be saved in Christ? But it's sad to see also that parables can reveal truth, but to some they also conceal truth. Verse 9 says that the disciples began questioning Jesus as to what this parable meant. And Jesus says to them, uh, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is in parables. There were some people who would see these parables and they would not understand what it meant. They saw, but they didn't see. They heard, but they didn't understand. And their spiritual eyes were blind to the truth of what Jesus was saying because their hearts were hard toward Jesus. There were people who had rejected Jesus and so to them, this parable was not going to make sense. But to the disciples, to those who come and, and seek Jesus and ask him, what does this mean? He explains it. And what's amazing is that we also get to understand what it means. Jesus, uh, Luke records what Jesus said this parable means. And so he starts explaining that in verse 11. Now the parable is this, Jesus says. How do you respond to the gospel, I think is how we can look at that. And there's four responses I think we can see here in these verses, starting in verse 11. And the first response that Jesus goes into is, is a hard heart. A hard heart. Look at verse 11. Jesus says, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those beside the road are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from the heart so that they will not believe and be saved. The parable starts off with something very, very sad. You can see in verse 11 that the seed is the word. It's the message uh, that Jesus has been giving of the kingdom of God. This word of God is, is ultimately the gospel, like we said. It's, it's the good news from God. And so this seed is going out from a sower, like a farmer who, who goes out with his bag of seeds and he goes and walks around throwing the seed to go on into the land and be planted. 
But it, like I said, it starts off sad and we see here that some of the seed will not even go into the ground. Verse 12, we also see that Jesus is talking about the heart. The message that the, the good news, the word is going to the heart. It's meant to go into the heart inside of you. And that's not, you know, just the thing that's pumping in you. Uh, the heart is talking about our inner person, our soul, who you really are, all your inner thoughts. And the message of the gospel is meant to go into your life and to change you, uh, to bring you good news and to change you from within. We don't know who the sower is exactly. It could be Jesus, but it could also just be anyone who brings the good news, the message into your life. And so here this sower is going out and he's evangelizing. He's sharing God's word to whoever would hear it. And he has these seeds that fall beside the road in verse 12. And you can picture what that would be like if you've ever been like just on a hiking trail. Uh, you guys know what that's like. You're walking on the trail and, and what do you see? There, there's no plants in the middle of the trail. It's, it's packed down. It's hard. Uh, there's no room for the seed to even land into the soil because so many people have hardened it by walking on it and walking on it again. The trail almost becomes like concrete. And here there's some seed that, that goes here uh, from the sower onto this pathway. And Jesus says that as it does so, right away these birds then come and take away the seeds. And Jesus says that this bird is really like the devil who comes and takes away the word from these people's hearts. This is a hard heart where, where Satan, where the devil is at work, where he wants to, to come and grab that message so it's not received at all, so it's taken away. And this is, I think, a heart that's hard. It's always around the message. It hears the good news, but it does not come to embrace the good news. The truth of God's word has, has no place in this heart. And the devil comes and snatches it away. And I think it's sad to think, but honestly, you can probably agree with me that there are many people who come and hear God's word who can sit in church week after week and hear God's word preached to them, who can have somebody tell them, Jesus has changed my life and he can change yours too. But they're not convicted. They don't want anything to do with the gospel. They can hear of the amazing love of God. They can hear that Jesus has come as our savior. They can hear that he is the Lord and that he came and bled and died and rose again so that you could be delivered from your sin and brought into his kingdom and they walk away from it. To them, that's boring. It's not interesting. In fact, they want to think about anything else but that. I want to go see the new Spider-Man. That's what I care about. How sad. It's a person who hears the message of the gospel but is hard because they're in love with sin and I think they're distracted with their self. This is a response that many people have to the gospel as they hear it. But we also see here, second, a shallow heart in verse 13. Jesus says, those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no firm root. They believe for a little while, and in a time of temptation, they fall away. 
That's just another description of a common response that people have when they hear the gospel. And it's a shallow heart. There's seed here that's kind of sown into a rocky uh, soil. Maybe it looks okay on the top, but uh, really once the seed tries to reach down and, and grow, there's rock that stops it. There's soil here. It maybe even looks promising that this would be a place where lots of plants could grow, but there is no depth. In fact, just below the surface of the soil is, is hard bedrock, hard stone that keeps the seed from being able to grow. I think of it like uh, if you ever go to a swimming pool and you know, you're, you're, you're like ready to go and, and maybe you like do some diving, go into the deep end, because everyone knows the deep end's the best, right? But then you get there and realize it's just a kiddie pool. The whole pool is only a foot deep. In fact, there's no diving that's gonna happen that day. This pool is useless, it's pointless. But that's how the soil is here. There's no room for the seed to take root. And at first it seems like it could be great, but then immediate, and it immediately it receives that message with joy. But then once it tries to go deep into that person's life, it is rejected. Here's somebody who is still moved by God's word. They, they hear God's word and it, it can even kind of bring them joy, brings them excitement. They're moved in their emotions. They're maybe even convicted when they hear sin. Uh, when they hear about sin and hear the truth, but in reality, this person is not changed. They have a little bit of openness to the gospel, but once anything difficult comes, when temptation comes, Jesus says, they fall away. See, the Bible says it's, it's possible to look like a Christian, to even have some response to the gospel, but to never truly be a Christian. And I, I can think of a lot of friends. I can think of friends, close friends I had in high school who would hear the gospel. They would even respond to the gospel at first. And it seemed like things were great. But when temptation came, and when things uh, about being a Christian got difficult, they left. There was no room for Jesus in their heart in the first place. They didn't care for Jesus at all. Jesus says you can be somebody whose heart at first gets excited about Christ, but in reality wants nothing to do with him, just like a hard heart. This is a person who has the temptations of the world coming and they go the path of the world. It just keeps getting worse here though. The, there's third, a strangled heart, a third response in verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, the seed which fell among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard and as they go on their way, they are choked with the worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. The soil, again, is, is, is not good. It's, it's thorny. Uh, there's here weeds, it says, and, and they've come and they've spread throughout the soil so that there's no place for all of the nutrients for the plant to grow. And I think of almost like, you know, you see like that Western movie and you see the bad guy come into town and then he faces the good guy. And what does he say? There ain't room here for both of us. That's kind of how this is working out in the soil here. There's not room for both the thorns and the healthy plant. There can't be two things happening in this soil. 
one has to go. And what's going to go? It's the healthy plant. Jesus says that these thorns are like the worries and the riches and the pleasures of this life. Even though this heart is going to receive what God says, it's going to bring that uh, seed in. It, It still is choked out. It's distracted. It's strangled by the world and the things Uh, that this world promises. That's why Jesus says that no man can serve two masters. Can't serve God and money. And the thorny heart is somebody who hears the gospel, who at first even likes the gospel, but then as the temptations of the world come, they're distracted by it. And I think we all know what this is like, even as Christians, to have that temptation of the world the, the promises of riches and pleasures of this life. And I don't think it's wrong to say that, you know, like these, there is a place to have enjoyment in life as a Christian. You don't have to be the no fun Christian. That's not what Jesus is saying here. And Jesus isn't saying that it, it's bad to be rich or to enjoy life. But Jesus is saying those both can't compete as Uh, first place in your heart. Only one is going to last. So this person clings to the thorns. The gospel is choked out of their heart. I think of uh, the story of somebody who overcame this kind of situation. Uh, I think of the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Maybe you've heard that before. Uh, Jim Elliott had gone to be a missionary in, to the Alka Indians in South America and was killed by the Indians because he had sought to bring them the gospel. He wanted them to know this good news. And so everyone, all the, the media, even unbelievers, came from all around the world to hear from Elizabeth Elliot, his wife, his now widow, as to why this man would give up everything. And she gave them a verse from 1 John that says, the world and all its lusts are passing away, but whoever does the word of God lives forever. How many people are strangled by the lusts of this world? And so much so that it drowns out any desire to do God's word and to obey God no matter the cost. This is a strangled heart. But here, I think this is a breath of fresh air. We get a believing heart in verse 15. This is what Jesus calls the good soil. He says in verse 15, the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. That's the soil that we've been waiting for, that we've been looking for. Here is good soil a heart that receives the seed. And it, once that seed goes into the soil, it nourishes it, it embraces it, it gives it room to grow. And Jesus says, this is the kind of heart that receives and hears God's word. Now, all the other hearts, all the other soils have heard God's word. It's, it's come to them, but this heart is different. Verse 15 says that this heart responds with an honest Heart. It is a heart that bears fruit with perseverance. I think this is a heart that receives the gospel in genuine, real repentance and in faith. And it's a heart that keeps doing that with perseverance. 
The soil is a heart who hears Jesus and says, I want that. I believe in who Jesus is. I believe in what he's done. And I want to continue to believe in him. I want to continue to follow him no matter the cost. This is the heart that says, I believe that Jesus can save me, that he can rescue me from sin. And we know that really that is ultimately just a work that God can do in the first place. Only God can truly save us. Ephesians 2, by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God so that no one may boast. This is a heart that has seen that God is able to save and comes to Jesus and says, I need you to save me. I believe in you and what you've done. And you can tell that Jesus has saved them because this heart, this seed is changed. It bears fruit. Jesus says even a hundredfold earlier in verse eight. This, this seed bears fruit. It's marked by obedience. It's marked by change. It's transformed. Down in verse 21, when Jesus says that, uh, he talks about his family, his family comes to him. And, and here Jesus describes who, who are really in relationship with him. It's more than his family. It's, it's those who hear the word and do it. This is what Jesus describes here in verse 15. The heart that receives God's word, receives the gospel message and obeys. It hears that God has said that you need to repent and believe in Christ. It's heard that, uh, that God's word says, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the verse. Um, yeah, it's, it's heard that God says that you need to repent and believe in the gospel. And what does it do? It obeys. It follows Christ. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And this heart receives that word and does it. They now love to obey Jesus. They want to obey him more. Jesus tells us it's those who hear his word and do his word that are his family. Those are the ones who have true relationship with him. That's not to say that your works are what saves you, but your works will be evidence that you are saved. And verse 17 reminds us that, or verse 16 says that all people um, who have been saved will be those who shine a light like a lamp. They, they say, I've been saved and I want you to be saved too. They can't hide that truth that's transformed them and they want you to know that too for your own life. And then a warning in verse 17 that nothing is hidden that will not become evident nor anything secret that will not come to light. The truth will come out in the end. The truth about God's kingdom, the truth about those who have rejected God's kingdom, and the truth about those who have received Christ as Lord, who have turned to him. But I think the best place to end is verse 18, where Jesus says, so take care how you listen. Take care how you listen. How are you listening? I know that if you're at this church more than once, you've heard the gospel more than once. You've heard the gospel many, many times. You've heard God's word week in and week out. I just want to ask, is God's word important to you? Does God's word have any place in your heart? It's a message that God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Does that mean anything to you? 
Does your life have any fruit of obeying Jesus in it? Is it marked by any sort of love or obedience? Not perfect, I know, but is that there at all? Or do you just hear God's word instead of of actually doing it? The gospel is good news, and I feel like I came with really a heavy message, but Jesus says to us, take care how you listen. What are we listening to? We're listening to the best news there is on this earth that if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. And if you're here, you're hearing it. And I want to ask, how are you responding to it? It matters how you listen. Father, we come to you and thank you that you have given us the message of salvation, that we can be delivered from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of your beloved son, and given redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Thank you that you have done that work in many hearts. Lord, we know that only you can do that work, and so we pray that you would do that work in any hearts that are hard or rejecting or drowned out by this world. Thank you for your love for us and giving us your word and in giving us your son, Jesus Christ, to show us your love. Lord, we are so privileged to know the gospel. May we not just hear it, but may we respond to it. May we obey and come to Christ. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.